Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn Cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Hey, we're back. Your auto team. Welcome back, all you regular folks out there, and I hope we have some new folks in the audience. If you're listening to the introduction, you know a little bit about what this is all about, you new folks, you old folks, been listening for a long time, maybe 20 years, that's how long we've been doing this, started out a half an hour, a long, 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 long time ago. We are the crew of auto experts, I say unashamedly, that we can help you buy a car, lease a car, maintain your car, repair your car, without being taken advantage of or in the vernacular, ripped off by a car dealer. I use that just to get people's attention, mainly car dealers. A lot of them listening to the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Some manufacturers out there, people in the auto retail and wholesale industry. Uh, We've made a little niche. I mean, I'm not going to say we're famous or anything like that, but people know who we are. And uh, I get comments, a lot of comments. All over. I mean, we're international. Thanks to Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, we're all over the globe. And uh, even Bali, hi, Bali. We actually had a call (laughs) from Bali. And uh, all over America, all the states, uh, I don't think we've hit all 50, but we've hit a lot of them. Uh, South Florida is our homeland, uh, a.k.a. Dodge City when it comes to automobile dealers. I suppose that's why we, it was almost like uh, for, what was it, uh, Destin, that we would emerge from the heart of the, uh, what is the den of iniquity? Is that what it is, Josh? Yes. (laughs) Um, We're, uh, uh, the car dealers in South Florida are totally ungoverned. And uh, the uh, Florida legislature has cooperated quite a bit with uh, vague laws and in many cases no laws. Legislators also have uh, decided not to enforce the laws. And uh, so we're a perfect testing ground. And we're the home of the Mystery Shopping Report, which if you haven't heard this show, you are in for some real entertainment and and education. I'm not just, we're just not trying to be spectacular. Uh, In fact, some of our uh, Mystery Shopping Reports aren't as spectacular as they are encouraging and informing. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, our mystery shopping report today was not far from perfect. I'm not going to score it ahead of time. Uh, we ask you to call in and give us your score, A, B, C, D, F. Do you fail this dealership or do you pass the dealership? And we have our recommended dealer list, and we have a do not buy from this dealer list if they fail. And we put the, we put the grades on now. So... Um, I give you an idea. If you're if if you're in Pennsylvania or you're in California, you can look at the Florida car list just uh, to give you an idea 
of uh, what dealers do. And I, I, I said earlier that these dealers are a little rougher than probably in your state because we have no laws in Dodge City. Uh, we have no laws in, in Florida that are effective. And so we see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I uh, will be talking later in the show about the Automotive News article, the current week. This is our trade journal. I'll hold it up for you to see. The familiar face you will see on the cover is Elon Musk. And uh, we'll talk about him. Uh, uh, everybody has an opinion on Elon Musk. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. Uh, some people don't care one way or the other. But uh, uh, he's certainly uh, on the tip of everybody's tongue now. He's, uh, he could probably run for public office. I don't know whether he would win or lose, but everybody knows him. And uh, he's made some comments. Uh, on one of the comments he made, I underlined, and that is, uh, he said, I never had a good experience at a car dealership. And that was quoted in Automotive News. Now, this person that we all laughed at 10 years ago or 15 years ago, a real jerk, he's a nut, uh, he'll be out of business, his company's going to go broke, uh, ain't no way he's going to make it kind of a stuff. Guess what? Tesla is the most valuable auto company in the world. You see this red line here? Right here? That's the value of Tesla. You see the uh, blue line down here? That's the value of the second most valuable automobile industry in the world. Guess what? Uh, manufacturer, Toyota. Tesla is worth almost twice as much as Toyota. Who would have thunk? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, uh, whether you like Elon Musk or not, you have to admit that he's a visionary. I mean, hey, the man's going to Mars, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean you, know. you have to admit there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a this is an exciting thing we do. We like it because uh, you regulars to the show remember years ago when Nancy and I went into a Tesla dealership. Almost bought a Tesla, and you know a lot of people laughed at us, and you're crazy. Hey, uh, you're a Toyota dealer. What are you doing buying a Tesla? Ha ha ha! What a jerk! Uh, well, we didn't buy the Tesla. I, I did. I'm, I'm in the process now, <laughs> but I, I put it off for a lot of reasons. And uh, turns out that a lot of people buying Teslas. Rick, I read an article recently that said that Toyota is actually one of the few car manufacturers that is not going full force towards electric. And I don't understand why. They're still looking at hydrogen fuel cells and saying they want to keep that option open. And it just uh, it boggles my mind. Well, uh, it, it really isn't, again, without getting into the detail, uh, hydrogen fuel cell, there's nothing wrong with these. Uh, the, the whole idea is electric and how you power the electric. Uh, the, the, the main thing we kind of remember is, is zero emissions. So however yes. we get to zero emissions, and, and the hydrogen fuel cell will power electric motors. So it's still an electric vehicle. It's almost terminology. And and, and, and even the hydrogen, yeah. hydrogen converters in the car are zero sure. emissions. So sure. is, there is that. Sure. So anyway, here we are. we got a lot of things on our mind to talk about. main thing is you. We love to hear from you. Uh, this isn't uh, something I'm just saying to make you feel good, you folks in the audience. We truly learn a lot from you folks. We have some amazingly uh, interesting and intelligent callers out there, and new ones every week. Uh, and we, we love to hear from you. 
Um, we give these numbers out and the text numbers and the Facebook and the Twitter and YouTube. We do it a lot. It's it's repetitive. Uh, for two hours, you hear a lot of it. If you're listening to the whole show, I'm sorry for you because we get this number out to the point where it drives you crazy. But by doing that, we spread the word and we spread the interest and we, and we bring that information in and we love the calls. Um, the main number, and we love the personality of a real phone call. Isn't it ironic that a phone call today is almost, uh, you know, it's like a, a dinosaur. You, I can say to one of my grandkids, uh, I'm going to call you and say, what are you talking about? They look at you like you have two heads. Yeah, what, what is that? I mean, I'll ring you up. What? <laughs> I'll <laughs> dial the phone. I'll dial. Ain't going to happen dot com. Uh, <laughs> 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. We have three, four phone lines, and we have so many calls, and we will have a lot of calls to the show. We prioritize calls because we don't have enough, a big enough switchboard, and we don't want you to wait and wait and wait. So when that uh, ringy dingy happens, Nancy, my co-host over here, is going to be monitoring the call-ins very uh, uh, closely. And when we get a call from you, we will take the call ASAP. If we forget, if I get tied up, if I'm on a pontification, I apologize. We try not to do that. Uh, we try to get to you as quickly as possible. So if you're not going to call now, write the number down if you're not driving. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. And for you texters, I'm a texter. I don't like phone calls. I mean, personally, I, I'd rather text and, and be text. Uh, it makes me more efficient, and it's not as invasive on the people that I'm contacting. So I like texting. That text number is 772-497-6530. If we don't get to all the text, we eventually do during the show. Josh is monitoring the text, mm -hmm. and normally Stu does. Josh is my younger, nicer son. And, um, much nicer. Subbing, yes, much nicer, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, by the end of the show, we will get to your text. And unfortunately, you might not be listening, but you can play the archive. We All these shows are in podcasts, they're online, available at earlandcars.com. I mean, we are high tech, let me tell you. You know, uh, I'm an old guy. I'm a really, I'm an old, I'm, you know, Josh is a, he's a super high tech young guy, but I'm pretty good for an old guy, aren't I? Oh, you're, you're way yeah. above the curve. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. You, you get some of the technology from Apple before Jonathan even does, and he works for Apple. <laughs> Not supposed <laughs> to say you that. You are right. the most technologically advanced person I've seen yet. I think we you're had awesome. that discussion this morning. <laughs> yeah. Recovering car dealer. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, what I'm saying is that uh, if, if you, if you are going to uh, contact this show, you can reach us on Facebook.com, YouTube.com. Uh, you can go to EarlOnCars.com. That's a good place to start, EarlOnCars.com. And, uh, and that way, you can find out if we missed a shop to dealer somewhere in your area, if you live in Florida. And we've been to Tennessee and Pennsylvania, I think, mm -hmm. other states too. So uh, look, look there. You see all the you – can, you can – you can listen to the mystery shopping reports. Uh, you can you can read the blogs. We I do a weekly blog. I've been doing a blog, a newspaper column for almost as long as we've been on the show. Nancy, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Yeah. That is really and 
why hasn't anybody copied that? I mean, uh, there's so many uh, shows and, and places that people would contact. The police figured it out a long time ago. Anonymous feedback to the police. People don't want to call and say, my name is John Smith and I live at 25 Third Street and I want to tell you about a bad guy that his name is Jim Blake and he just robbed the 7-Eleven. You don't want to say that uh, in public. You might be afraid the bad guy is going to find you and get you. So uh, they have anonymous uh, reporting on crimes. Well, why not have anonymous call into talk shows? I don't know one that does that. YourAnonymousFeedback.com, just the way it sounds. Y-O-U-R, Anonymous, A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, Feedback.com. And if you send us your text, I mean on that Anonymous Feedback URL, then uh, we can't find you. You say anything you want. Call me names, call Rick names. Don't call Nancy names. That's not nice. That's not no, nice. No. And uh, you can call Josh names. And, That's not uh, nice either. Yeah. I can defend myself. <laughs> and, and we won't. We're not going to. We're not going to edit it. But we'll take out the vulgarity, profanities. But it doesn't happen that often. That's what really amazes me is we don't get attacked that often. We have a, the most generous and kind listeners in the world. Yeah, we do. Mm. But we do get some good, intelligent comments and criticisms and and uh, shall we say discussions. Mm-hmm. We get some good people on there. We do. So all you regulars, don't forget to come on and give us your input and your ideas and your suggestions. And uh, I'm going to uh, introduce Nancy Stewart, who most of you know. Nancy uh, founded the show with me 20 years ago uh, when we were half an hour. She is a um, best known for her advocacy of the female. And um, I know a lot of people are tired of hearing this, but... Uh, the ladies of the world, and I say the world, aren't getting a fair shake. We all know that. We hear about it. And uh, us guys sometimes shake it off. We shouldn't because it's a, it's a real fact. And uh, the ladies of the world, and especially in America, are an economic force. And they not only buy half the cars, but they probably influence a lot of the purchases beyond that 50%. For some reason, they don't yak as much as we do, us guys, and they don't call the show. And uh, Nancy's built that up from virtually nothing to close to 50%. And so she has a special offer. A lot of you already know this, but if you don't know it, stay tuned. Nancy, tell them what we're going to do for the ladies. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You make the show your knowledge, your opinion, your conversation. We enjoy your company. Ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. $50 for the first two new lady callers. Let us know how you're, whether you went into the dealership to have your car serviced, whether or not uh, the microchip shortage has affected your buying power, uh, whether you, well, uh, got a whole lot more money for your used car in light of the conditions that exist in the atmosphere today. $50 for the first two new lady callers, 877-960-9960. And you can text us at 772-497-6530. Don't forget to go to Erwan Cars. Join us, the vigilantes. You can help us in so many ways by just volunteering you don't have to take an engine apart 
you can help us with so much. Join in our, what do you want to call it? Uh, this is my quest. Quest. That's yeah. a good word. I'll to use follow that. the star. Uh, there you go. Uh-oh, he's going to break into a song. Hidden, he usually does that in the shower. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to have to go right to the phones because John from Palm City has been holding for quite some time. Yo, John. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. Good morning. An important topic, especially with the value of used cars. It's the rollback odometers. Um, very important. I, I want to ask Rick, in two years, last two years, have a vehicle ever come into your dealership that the mileage that was stated on the car didn't match the factory computer? I had one. I might have been a little over two years ago. But it was a uh, Camry hybrid that the odometer was incorrect, and we actually found it pretty quick because it was pretty obvious the car had been converted to a taxi, and the odometer was showing only like 60,000 miles. And by checking Carfax, we found the car actually had well over 200,000 miles. Wow. Well, <laughs> actual government figures now, 40 million used cars were sold last year, 2020, 450,000 of them had the speedometers illegally altered according to the Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. These are actual figures. And in 72, the government passed the law, federal law, that it's illegal to roll back odometers. And in 86 was the Truth and Mileage Act, which when you transfer the car, you have to reveal the true mileage upon transfer. Now, what's to blame on this is the Internet. The Internet... If you look it up, it actually sells online freezer switches, particularly I saw one for Audi 8.8. Okay, they're not expensive. There's another website. You send them your instrument clusters, and for $120, they set it back. Hmm. Uh, but you have to, you know, mail, uh, mail it back to them. And um, there's tools that are available on the Internet, and it's, it's scary. It really is. Basically, what it amounts to is when you're buying a used car, make sure it's from a legitimate source, mainly a new car dealer, because they do their homework for you. They would never allow in, in their franchise to be jeopardized by selling a car that has a bad history on it with an odometer. So this is very, very important today, especially <clears throat> with the prices that are up on used cars. And it's a consideration that people to do. Another question for Rick, what is an OBD2 tool? What does that do on the car? Does that read codes on mileage? Yeah, uh, OBD2 is the onboard diagnostic and the connector is located under the dash. It's been industry standard across the board since 1994, I wanna say. Um, all cars have that same identical connector so that a a computer can be plugged into it. You can retrieve trouble codes from the car and a whole lot of different data information. And now this is how any technician would communicate with all the computer systems in the car is through that onboard diagnostic port. Well, the scariest part is they sell an instrument that plugs into that, and especially for leased cars, it stops registering the mileage. So when you turn it in, it doesn't have the actual legitimate mileage with buying this instrument that's sold, by the way, on the Internet. So it's kind of frightening 
what's going on out there. And it's especially important now because the value of used cars are up. So just want to make people aware that it does exist. And imagine a 40 million used cars sold that 450,000 actually were illegally altered, according to the government. So buyer beware. Be careful where to buy the car. One good news, when I came in 1997 to Martin County, there used to be cars on the side of the road. What they did, they curbside them. Mostly it was dealers. Put them with a sign for sale. Looked like an individual. And it was really from a, a car lot. And they got clamped down on that. Even in shopping centers, they put it at the end of a shopping center with a for sale sign on. That has stopped completely. Thank God uh, for the sheriff uh, of Martin County. So it's not a good place to buy a car. You don't know what their history is, what's going on. And mileage statements mean nothing. It's do your homework and be careful of who you buy the car from. John, That's my point today. I appreciate that. That's good advice. I had no idea there were that many being uh, set back, and I, I had no idea that the Internet was offering illegal services that were not being monitored. Hopefully some authorities out there, regulatory, will be looking at that and uh, see if they can uh, track down some of this. One, one thing that I, I want to mention is that you mentioned that the Internet is a problem. Internet is also the solution because by going online, you can find out the history of just about any car. Uh, uh, Carfax is the most famous uh, for checking uh, service histories. And every time a car goes in for service, uh, they always register the mileage. So a car that's been maintained, you can track its history from the time the car was sold new. And you can see the, uh, the mileages. So every few thousand miles, you see what the mileage is. So if you're buying a car that has 25,000 miles on the odometer, and you go to Carfax, and the last time it was serviced, it had 250,000 miles, <laughs> you might want to think twice. And uh, this is, it's, if you do your homework, if you use the tools that we have available to us, it's almost impossible to be tricked. I, you know, I have to, I, I, my book is called Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer, and uh, I have that here. And if you want to buy a copy on Amazon, uh, uh, all proceeds go to Big Dog Ranch Rescue. And so I make nothing off this book. But I've been in business a long time. And Confessions, that's the name of it. And the reason I'm confessing, I did some stuff. that I, I guess I repressed it. And then you called, John, and mentioned something like odometers. Uh, when I started in the business, I still remember the guy's name. Not old guys remember remember detail. The old guy's name was Ed Zuck, and he was a professional odometer rollbacker. <laughs> and he would go from lot to lot to lot. So we'd see Ed say, "Hey, Ed," he says, "You got anything for me?" Oh, yeah, I got. They're all in the back line. Hold I on said, a "Take twenty thousand off you, all of them." Are you sure that wasn't Matthew Broderick? No. Okay. No. <laughs> hey guys, if you can't pick up confessions of a recovering car dealer, pull up. Ferris Bueller's day off, and you can learn how to <laughs> inform yourself about so the, that the odometer. Point, the, the point was it was respectable, and it was legal, and uh, all the dealers did it. I, you kind of wonder, I mean, did was it custom, really legal? Did yeah. you say legal? I, I'm, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I probably rationalized it being illegal. Uh, John said, if he's still there, that they passed the law yeah. in 1976. I started the business in 68. Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe it was legal back then. Or a gray area. A gray area. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, easy to check odometers. Very important, obviously. 
Uh, if you if you don't check it, and you buy the car, and somebody else does check it, you're in serious trouble because if the car had any warranty or anything left on it and the manufacturer detected someone was fooling with the odometer, forget about it. So be careful. Mm -hmm. And I think John's point... Actually, just to give you a case, in the early 90s, when I also moved here to Bond County, this dealer on Route 1 called Plotties, he was indicted, went to federal prison, many cases, 50 to 100,000, setting back the clocks. Mm -hmm. And this was an actual car dealership that was caught outright, and that's a lot of mileage to set back. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an exact example of what could happen, and so you better be careful again where you buy the call. John, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Good, good thing to hedge us, everybody about them. Be careful out there. Yes, John. You've become a regular part of the show, and we really appreciate hearing from you every Saturday morning. I Thank think Josh guys. was going to say something about the odometers. Yeah, I was just going to say you. John's point about picking a reputable dealer is really important because it's in their best interest to make sure that they don't buy a car from a, someone off the street with a bad odometer or inconsistent odometer because it's a huge devalue um, devaluation to the vehicle. So it's it's your interests are aligned. So make sure you deal with a reputable place. And, and you get to a lot of trouble with the lender too. The lenders are double checking these things. Mm -hmm. If you're financing a used car, you can bet the lender has checked the uh, car in terms of accuracy of options, equipment, year, uh, all the things that add to the value of that car. And what adds more value than the uh, correct odometer reading? So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's really risky uh, if you don't uh, check and uh, you can hurt yourself. If you have the car repossessed, find out it was a fraudulent financing. A lot of bad things. Well, as a matter of fact, the Camry that I mentioned, the fellow that owned it had just purchased it almost sight unseen on the Internet at, from an individual. And he brought it to us because the hybrid lights were on and it needed a hybrid battery. Mm -hmm. He thought he'd be able to get it fixed under warranty. And then comes to find out he's got a, a car with 200,000 miles on mm -hmm. it. And he had very little recourse at that point. Very good. Okay, Ladies that voice you're listening to right now is Rick Kearney, in case you don't know. I forgot to introduce him properly at the beginning of the show. Uh, Rick is a diagnostic master certified technician. Um, he is uh, It's kind of like having a PhD in uh, how to fix a car and how to diagnose the problems with a car. I call him an auto computer scientist because the cars now are computers on wheels. Uh, Rick's always going to school. He's always online, uh, getting another certification, another certification, because the technology in cars is advancing so fast now that, frankly, even the drivers don't know all there is to know about a car. And um, I think the manufacturers actually have gone too far in high tech because what's the sense of making something so fancy that even the owner of the car doesn't know about? People are trading cars in with features that they never knew were there and never used. And uh, you got to go to a guy like Rick Kearney, he'll tell you how to get that YouTube, uh, YouTube, how to get that Bluetooth paired with your sound system or whatever you have to do. And that's probably the most common question we get. My, you know, I got a problem with my, my Bluetooth. It won't pair with my phone. That's actually getting better now because of the newer cars now, they're introducing things like the Google CarPlay and the Apple CarPlay and it's even becoming wireless mm -hmm. so now it's one simple connection and everything works and it, it's i gotta say my life on that side has gotten a lot easier because mm -hmm. now it works mm -hmm. it's great yeah finally uh, apple and google stepped in where the auto manufacturers yes. couldn't yeah. the, the growing pains have started to ease up now 
Yes, definitely. Uh, You know, I have to point out that we really have a a very knowledgeable staff. I'm going to call them staff, their family, right here before us. And uh, I want to thank Josh for uh, standing in at the last moment. And uh, he is, if we need anything, the to-go-to guy. We know he will be right there, and that's why he sits in this chair this morning, very knowledgeable, and has been in the business. Well, I think he started when he was three. Yes. I'm not sure. So, so like <laughs> 21 years. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, knowledge is power. 877-960-9960. And in light of the used car prices that have surged, you may be thinking about keeping your car and fixing it and knowledge is power ladies and gentlemen because you can be taking advantage right there and i know rick will agree with me and this takes me to vigilantes earl's vigilantes and uh earl created this uh and uh yeah you know how talented he is and earl's vigilantes you can take and and you can help us you can help us <laughs> you can help us uh, by helping others, somebody in your community, and uh, it, it's it's all of us working together. We can't do it alone. Although our show has escalated as far as helping people, informing people, so join Earl's Vigilantes and help us out. A seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, or you can text us at seven <coughs> That's, that's another word on, on the mission of the vigilantes. We, we've for a long time talked about the victims of the uh, unethical car dealers. And they fall into different categories, and starting chronologically with the very young. Think about your first car when you bought it. You probably had help from your parents, or maybe you didn't. But when a young person goes out into a car dealership and they've never bought a vehicle before, they can be victimized. And it happens quite frequently. The very young, category number one. Uh, we have another category. In Florida, we have a lot of people uh, from outside the United States. And we have a lot of Hispanics. We have uh, from Cuba and, uh, and, the, and Costa Rica and the Middle East, the Middle East, uh, I mean, uh, South America. Uh, and English isn't their first language. And so, uh, English language impaired. Think of you being in. Uh, Peking trying to buy a car at a Chinese dealership and you don't speak Chinese or anywhere in another country. I mean, uh, uh, we Americans don't speak uh, many languages. And so if we go into another country, can you imagine how helpless you would feel if you were dealing with an unethical uh, Spanish-speaking salesperson and the contract was in Spanish and the whole conversation dialogue and you're sitting there going like this. So the English language impaired. also, one of our biggest challenges is education. Some people aren't fortunate enough to have the education they need. They don't learn the ABCs of finance and interest rates and other things. And maybe they can't even read all that well. So educational impairment is a fact of life. I mean, you don't have to be stupid to not to be educated. I mean, there are a lot of very smart people out there that just don't have that formal education. And they can be, they can be fooled. Yes. That's another category of victim. And in South Florida, we have a lot of elderly people. 
Uh, I talk about widows a lot because uh, we men usually predecease our, our wives. And if you go back in time and you were born in the 40s or 50s, you know, and you're a woman, uh, the man was the decision maker. They, they, they earned the paycheck. You were a housewife and all these things that make women so angry today about why we look down on women. Uh, some of these women have never bought a car in their life and their husband passed away and they're going into a car dealership for the first time mm -hmm. and making the second biggest investment ever onto a home is, a, is an automobile. And I, I get more calls from elderly women than any other single source saying how they were victimized. Terrible. So, the vigilantes, that's why we're here. Uh, uh, we ask you to participate all over the country. We like to have people in all states. We will like, we'll put you on our website, uh, earlandcars.com, Earl uh, with a little profile. Your contact information will give you a free hat, and you can assist these people. One of the biggest assistances you offer as a vigilante, we ask that you have online experience, that you understand a computer keyboard, you understand a smartphone, that you know how to pull up a website, go to Google, you can go to a dealership website, navigate a website. This way, you can do your car shopping and assist the potential victim online. A lot of people out there, whether they're elderly or whatever, aren't really skilled online. That's the only way to ensure that you won't be taken advantage of. And there's services like the Costco Auto Buying Program online, uh, truecar.com online, cars.com, edmunds.com. Uh, there's so many wonderful sources. And if you're, if you're very knowledgeable about online, you can, in the comfort of your home, assist another person and you never have to go to their home or go to the car dealership. Assist that other person in buying a car. So that's what vigilantes, that's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I think Josh has something. Well, I have our kickoff text, if you'd like me to read it. Please. Yes, but first, ladies, some of us were born with a survival kit, and there are of us that weren't. Please, give us a call. Tell us what your experience was, 877-960-9960. And for you, uh, the, for those that would like to text us, 877, I'm giving out the seven, telephone 772-497-6530. <laughs> and speaking of text, Josh is ready. All right, we have Anne-Marie's good morning text. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning. Have you ever encountered this scenario? A Texas, uh, sorry, <laughs> Texas, a Toyota or Lexus driver breaks, injures their right leg. It is put in a cast or boot, which makes normal driving impossible until the leg heals and the boot is removed. The internet indicates that currently there are temporary hand-controlled devices to access the accelerator and the brake. Have you ever installed any of those devices? If so, how well do they work? By the way, I'm fine, just curious. However, I am looking forward to a time when the vehicles will be automated and totally reliable so people will be able to get around independently and safely in spite of a broken leg, an immobilized arm, or impaired vision, etc., etc., and not to have to rely on a spouse, a friend, a neighbor, Uber, Lyft, or other public transportation. Thank you. Uh, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, there are special companies that we, that we sublet to that do handicapped assisted driving. And we have to be very careful with this because uh, it's a safety factor, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like relearning how to drive. And you have to be sure that, first of all, that it's 
legal by uh, uh, federal law, probably not state law, maybe state law too, but certainly federal law. Uh, when we have a request like that, Rick, have you had any direct experience with the people that handle this sort of thing? You are exactly 100% correct. Yeah. Uh, Action Mobility is one company local that we would recommend. Um, I personally have had customer cars come in that I've had to drive with those controls. And I'll tell you, I, I was terrified just driving them through the parking lot because mm -hmm. of that it, it's something you're not used to. It's a whole new ball game. Mm -hmm. So those who do use them, they have to be trained and learn how to control the vehicle using those new controls. But once you get them, it's, they're incredible. The people I've talked to that use them, they have, they've loved it. But the, the we won't do it for liability reasons, but yes, Action Mobility or others like that, uh, you can find them on the internet, and they're great. There's probably a certification that they have to get, a federal uh, authorization, and uh, we really should do a little bit more due diligence on that and tell people, because uh, we're world, worldwide now, mm -hmm. and tell people around the country, uh, find a federally certified uh, handicap assist installer of these types of things. Some things are legal and some things are not legal. You know, one of the things that pops to mind when we're talking about that, and by the way, Anne Marie is our most articulate caller, period, uh, male or female. She always comes up with some of the most valuable, uh, interesting questions. And a lot of times we don't have the answers, but we find them. But uh, uh, I wonder uh, when you have uh, some people injure one foot and they only have maybe their left foot to uh, drive or they're only a right foot to drive. I wonder what the legality is on that. Uh, is it anybody? <laughs> is it legal or illegal uh, to drive with one foot? I wouldn't know. Hopefully someone out in the radio land knows the answer to that. I, I can't I speak have. to I've the legality of it. but uh, I've driven with one foot. You, uh, may, you I, may be confessing to a crime, you realize. Oh, <laughs> hey, I can deal with it. That makes uh, two of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was what I did was propped up my left leg out the window uh, of my car at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in a cast. Do you have any I, pictures of that? I do. Okay. I'll She's very limber, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try this at home. Yes. Well, I forgot. Was sure, that right. the passenger window or the driver's window? Was... <laughs> or or both. That would, be the, that would be the challenge. There you go. I'm double-jointed. Anybody out there know the answer to the legality of being able to, uh, if I were pulled over and my left foot or my and right foot were in a cast and the policeman pulled me over, am I committing a crime? I, we'll, we'll have to investigate. I would guess that there's, it's not written in law, but it's just you know best practices like some people drive with two feet and i know that's about, a big no-no how about if i had two feet in a cast would that be legal um two feet and two two <laughs> arms definitely should be well let's say we don't know do we but uh, what if you're in your tesla with autopilot then that's true there you go that's that true. might be the answer to Anne marie's question too okay. Not, the yeah. the um, cars with autonomous driving will yeah. definitely help those with um disabilities and yeah. in a similar yeah, yeah. absolutely Anne marie say what you do you uh educate us uh you get us to realize what we don't know and we ask the question on the air and pretty soon somebody will call in or maybe we'll just google it and uh we'll get that answer sooner or later and i have one other thing i can add to that um in the past toyota has offered uh, they call it mobility assistance so although um, at a Toyota dealership, we can't perform those modifications necessarily. Um, but Toyota, if you buy a new Toyota in the past, they've offered up to $1,000 
um, uh, towards a, a, a modification from a legitimate place. And this is probably true of all manufacturers, yeah, exactly. yeah. you know, one degree or another. Mm -hmm. uh, if they don't do it, they should do it. But I believe all manufacturers, I mean, uh, it's important yeah. that uh, yeah, uh, Handicap have this yeah. assistance. That is really important information, mm -hmm. Josh. I really like that uh, because uh, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I ordered a hot tub, and because of medical problems, there was a discount that yeah. I was allotted because of it. Yeah, similar and, thing. And it's a big savings. It is. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the energy is, well, shall we say, contagious. So give us a call, 877-960-9960. Don't forget, ladies. First two new lady callers, you and yourself, $50 today. And I want to alert you uh, to go to Erlon Cars. What an interesting column that he has written this past week. And it's uh, buying a car during this microchip shortage. And it is worth your read. And uh, we have a, a, a great mystery shopping report from Mollinex Ford. And uh, I have to acknowledge Agent Lightning what an asset mm -hmm. she is to this show and to all of you out there because she alerts you of what is really going on on out there in the real world. 877-960-9960. And I think that, uh, well, excuse me, before we get back to Josh, I have to go to the phones and Marty is calling. Good morning, Marty. Marty's a regular caller. Good, thank you. Uh, my question is, anytime I go to buy a car or lease a car, I go on Kelly Blue Book and I look up the what they say is the invoice. Now, no car dealer, in my opinion, ever pays that invoice price. You're right. So my, question, my question to you is, for, first of all, because most dealers are selling under invoice. Yes. So Used to. It's possible yeah. to be paying. They for sure are not giving the car away for free. So my question is, is there any dealership, including yours, that will ever show you what they really pay for the car? Well, very few. And uh, this is going to sound a little crazy, but a lot of car dealers don't know what they pay for the car. Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, some uh, degrees in industrial administration business and other uh, things that uh, help me understand what cost really is. Cost is a complicated uh, thing. And uh, there are courses in cost accounting and you accountants out there will know what I'm talking about. But we honestly sometimes don't know what the true cost, I'm including our dealership. Uh, it we changes have, throughout the month, it could, depending on how much you sell. Exactly. We have incentives and we have uh, contests and we have things with the uh, manufacturers, all dealers do. And if you're selling cars and the dealer tells you if you hit your quota, then we're going to give you back $500 retroactively on every one of those cars that you sold in the month of uh, June, say, then, uh, and it's June the 15th. You don't know what your cost on that car that you sold today, uh, if it's the fifteenth, because you don't know if you hit your quota till June thirtieth. So dealers don't know their true cost, uh, but they do know uh, their their true cost is a lot less than they want you to think, and the invoice typically packs 
locks in uh, several thousand dollars of profit to the dealer. So in other words, if I sell, Marty, if I sell you a car at my invoice, I'm probably going to be making at least $3,000, a real nice profit, far more than I normally make on a car. In average times, uh, dealers will make sell about two-thirds of their cars, maybe a half to two-thirds of their cars, uh, below invoice. And uh, uh, don't ever believe that the piece of paper that they show you is at their true cost, because it is not. And thank you uh, for pointing that out, Marty. Yeah, well, look, I say, for every car I've bought, well, that's why I assume when I go in, I always give out, if I'm buying the car, a lower price than any invoice price. But I usually, if I'm buying, I usually have a trade-in. So there's, you know, two, you know, that, that, that becomes another factor in the deal. A lease is a lot harder to figure out to me than a true buy. Much harder. Yeah. Marty, also, before we talk too much about buying cars below invoice, uh, we are in an unprecedented, unique situation today with the microchip shortage and other factors of the COVID phenomenon that have created an unprecedented demand and a very, very low supply of vehicles, new and used. So right now, uh, there aren't any cars being sold below invoice. All cars are being sold above invoice, and I think that's a safe statement. And uh, most cars, believe it or not, are being sold above MSRP, uh, sticker price. So it's a crazy world out there. This will fade, and by the end of the year, I'm predicting that we will return more or less to normal. But uh, even though an invoice has a lot of profit packed in, uh, you're not going to buy a car today, a new car, below invoice. All right, very good. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for the call. Thanks for being part of the show, Marty. 877-960-9960. You can text us at 772-497-6530. I think we're going to go back to Josh. Probably has a lot of texts. Yeah, I have another text here. Um, this one from, a, I believe, a Washington State hmm. area code. Cool. Uh, my daughter was victimized. Her first car, $21,000 Camry, ended up at a $500 per month payment for 84 months. Oh, man. I had to, took the liberty of doing the math there. That's $42,000 totally. I ended up having to go to the dealer and having all the extras canceled. That is a, that's a bad one right there. Yeah. Mm. It's truly bad, Ed. When you finance your car, uh, you open the door to the back end. We call it the box and the vernacular for car dealers. That's where they uh, soak you with a bunch of unneeded additional products they call them like gap insurance now the gap insurance can be a value don't get me wrong but sometimes it's not a value and it's not even necessary you have maintenance plans you have extended service contracts and warranties road hazard uh, uh, protection a lot of things that they mark up uh, uh, insanely high and sell you or sometimes sneak in on the contract so just because you buy the car at the right price doesn't mean your payment's not going to be five hundred dollars a month and that's how they may have gotten your daughter. And I'm very sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. What a story. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to go back to the phones. Uh, we have a regular caller, and it is Dave, the dog walker. Good morning, Farf. guys. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Listen, um, saw an article uh, know, a couple weeks ago that uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, the District of Columbia representative in the House of Representatives 
introduced a bill that uh, would require gender equality in the crash test dummies for the national testing standards for cars. And I thought Nancy might find this interesting. I can't find anything else out about it. It's like it just got ignored, Mm -hmm. or maybe nobody cared, or maybe they thought, oh, here we go again, you know, you have to have gender equality, when it's really an issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a serious issue. And I I thought Nancy might be interested in that. Maybe she could look into that for us. Oh, definitely. Um, I I have to apologize. I'm a bit hearing impaired, and I didn't hear the first part. He's talking about the fact that women are physically different than men and smaller, typically, and cars are designed from a safety standpoint to uh, take care of men, to hell with the women. I got you. You know, that's a, thank you, that's an interesting uh, topic, uh, Dave. And uh, the reason it's interesting is because uh, can you believe that all of these tests that uh, uh, Consumer Report, uh, the Highway of Safety, everybody, women were not included. Um, their their small bodies, their uh, the way they're built, and it was always those dummies that they used. There was never a female. And now they're really recognizing the fact that these cars have to be built uh, for women, for children, and it definitely still is a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, Consumer right Report, excuse the, me, Consumer Report yeah. had a great article on that. Under the current standards of safety that, that we have, I read that women were 47% more likely to suffer serious injury in most car crashes which is just uh, that's it's wow you know mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, like I, the first part of what I was what I brought up Nancy was that there was a bill introduced into Congress by Senator uh, Congress lady uh, Norton from the District of Columbia and it's getting nothing no traction nobody is taking it serious. You know, and it's just, it's astounding. 47% more likely to get serious injuries in a yeah. car crash. Yes, well, I can yeah. con- I can confirm that because I did look up the numbers, and uh, it, it, it was shocking in uh, today's 21st century. And women are, the as you said, I thought it was more than 47%. And uh, uh, I'm going to take a look at the information you just shared with me. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it uh, well I'm gonna give it some attention and I thank you for bringing it to my attention. And Dave, the reason this happens is because of the power of the lobbyists, the power of the manufacturers. National Automobile Dealers Association, I promise you, behind the scenes is lobbying heavily against that. Can you imagine the cost? And remember, follow the money. Imagine the cost to the auto manufacturers of the world. You have to redesign the car. You have to redesign a car taking into consideration women. They never did it. It's obscene that they never did it. It's obscene that they never thought about it. And it reminds me, the nice thing about being around a long time, I remember when we didn't have seat belts. And I thought, yeah. when I, before I became a recovering car dealer, 
I thought a seatbelt was a joke because I just was stupid. And, and then they really outraged me when they came up with this thing called an airbag. I said, what the hell is an airbag? I, we need this like we need a, you know, a third arm. You don't need an airbag. Uh, you know how much an airbag costs? We'll never sell a car. We'll have to mark it up another $1,000. So this is, way, this is the way the manufacturers look at their business. Um, last week I talked on the show about uh, the manufacturers and the uh, stockholders. You have, a, you have a responsibility to the stockholder. Capitalism is a good thing, right? Okay, if I own stock in Chrysler Corporation or I own stock in Honda, then I'm entitled to a return on my, on my investment. And to get a return, you have to make a profit. To make a profit, uh, you have to sell a lot of cars, make a lot of money, now, if someone tells me suddenly I have to spend billions of dollars to retool and redesign my plants and equipment to build cars that are safe for women, I'm not going to make much of a profit. I failed my investors. I failed my stockholders, and I've committed a crime. It's a crime to, to not fulfill. Now, if only Honda were to make the concession, then... Uh, they would lose my, uh, business to Toyota and to Chevrolet and everybody else. So it would have to be a federal law for all manufacturers. Now, when you're asking all manufacturers to spend billions of dollars, you know, it just ain't going to happen.com. And it'll be a long time before that happens, and it's very sad. Yeah, it really is, you know, particularly since the, the, the number of, of the percentage of women buying new cars yeah. continues to grow year after year. And, and I understand the economics uh, if, to the manufacturers, but, you know, if enough women, if the women got behind this, you know, and, and let their money speak, mm -hmm. you know, and have a voice, uh, yeah, but it really is something, you know, you got to fear a little bit for your kids and, and your wives, sisters, and mothers a little bit when you know that the standards are just not there. Exactly, them. exactly. Yeah. Sad, sad. Thanks, guys. Great call. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, and uh, thank you for bringing uh, to attention this, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of slowing down right now because, uh, you know, th this kind of information and talking about women, I feel so passionate about it. And if I could just reach all of the auto dealers and let them know that it's a financial disaster not to recognize women and the impact that they have on the auto industry and on everything in between. Uh, because women are shorter and smaller, and why on earth weren't these cars tested? For them, these dummies were always for men. And I thank you, Dave. A seven seven. I I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to ramble. A seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Or you can text us at seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. And I think we're going to go back to Josh. Well, I have some anonymous feedbacks, if uh, if I may. All right. Uh, this one asks: Are car dealers equally willing to negotiate on the price of an ordered car as with one on the lot? This industry interesting. interesting yeah, Josh, you see this all the time, mm -hmm. so. Um, explain that well, uh, phenomenon. Well, in the current climate, things are different right now since most cars are going to be ordered if you walk into a car dealership because of the inventory shortage. But in normal times, I've, it's usually um, the dealers are willing to 
to work more with you on an in-stock unit rather than an order. They figure a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush, that sort of thing. So I think... Prefer to sell a car out of stock and will really push you mm -hmm. to buy it. But when you end up ordering the car, you open yourself up to some surprises that are beyond the control of the dealer. Yeah, exactly. You might, if it, it takes too long for the vehicle to get there, the incentives from the manufacturer might have changed and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, there's an upside and a downside to order Trade and value can change. Exactly, exactly. Oh. But, so, uh, yeah, if you, uh, I would uh, recommend that you press, if they don't have the vehicle you want, press to order the car that you want. Uh, don't compromise, especially today, because you're not going to find the car you want today. The inventories are, are so limited. Uh, and wait, and then expect to maybe pay some more, because the incentives that are on the cars uh, change all the time. And uh, you never know whether they're going to be more incentives or less incentives, and you're taking a chance. Yeah, and nowadays you could probably bank on the incentives being reduced because of yes. the supply and demand. Yes. Okay. All right. I have Go another ahead. one here. Or... Go ahead. I worked on YouTube, and you know, you work on YouTube. Well, actually, we've had a, an interesting conversation going on between Kit Kat and Donovan here <laughs> about uh, the electric car situation, and uh, just kind of to paraphrase it, uh, coming in the the tube, like Kit Kat is coming. That if we went to all electric cars, we'd have to build a ton of nuclear power stations in order to help power them because. Obviously, the increased amounts of electricity needed. Uh, he says, and right now, Texas and California are having issues with power outages. Texas, obviously, with their problems they've had in the past, and with the huge heat wave hitting across those areas right now, they're asking people to cut back on using electricity, cut back on air conditioning, and of course, charging electric vehicles, which are huge in California. And as Donovan is coming in, they're kind of talking back and forth about things such as the amount of electricity required just to run pump jacks to pump oil versus how much would be used in electric cars. Uh, and then the comments, of course, going about what the governments of California and Texas are asking their citizens to do to help save electricity. So it's, it's just been a kind of interesting conversation between the two of them going back and forth about, you know, where are we going? It's just the, the idea that if we do switch over to electric vehicles to get rid of fossil fuels, where are we going to get the electricity from and who's going to pay the prices? Well, you know, that, it's a short run problem and uh, it will resolve itself. And uh, uh, there's always going to be that. We could spend the entire show um, about that. But you've got a lot of uh, renewable energy being uh, produced. You've got you've got wind power. You've got solar power. There's a huge amount of ways to solve that problem. Efficiency of batteries is another way. Yep. One of the things that people don't think about is that you don't use electricity uh, very much all the time. You don't use nearly as much electricity at midnight than you do uh, during the day with the air conditioning, and and it varies. So. If you can run energy uh, all the time and you can produce energy 24-7 around the globe, and this is a global economy now, uh, it will be not as expensive because it will be a continuous process. And as we have more renewable producing energy, it won't be a problem. But the, the fact of the matter is this will be an all-electric world for vehicles and is coming whether we like it or not. The energy problem will be solved and it will take years it won't take weeks or months and it will happen but you know uh, nuclear power it was something we're terribly afraid of 
you go back to Chernobyl years ago, uh, everybody is uh, traumatized with the whole thought of a nuclear plant mm -hmm. blowing up and, and killing everybody within a 5,000 mile radius. But uh, that's been, that's, that problem's been fixed, a lot of other problems been fixed, and nuclear power is going to be a fact of life probably. And Solar panels, solar cells have yeah. come a huge Wind way. Wind power, sure. So imagine the day when a simple solar panel on the top of your car powers your car, and while it's just sitting out there waiting mm -hmm. for you at work, it's charging a, up. A wind-powered car with a large sail on top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd yeah. be an interesting trick. <laughs> I'm a traditional kind of guy. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, Martin. Uh, 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 <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is not... Comedy Corner, but we are here to not only entertain you, but to inform you. And uh, ladies, I have a question for you. If you think that, you know, uh, there's just certain things that are important for you to give us a call because the first two new lady callers win themselves $50, here's my question. Who do you think, male or female, are in more accidents today per year? Give me a call. $50 for the first two new lady callers. I have a guess. 877-960-9960. I'd like you to answer that question. I'm just going to guess this guys. Thank just you. Based on my personal experience of being a fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You heard it from Josh. Uh, but uh, ladies, 6.1 million men are in per year are in more accidents and guess what ladies 4.4 million are in accidents per year i'll take my 50 dollars now <laughs> <laughs> now back to josh i, I have a i got a, a few anonymous feedbacks here uh this one reads i've been watching house and car prices rise like crazy for months is this a bubble and if so when and how fast do you think it will burst It'll be over by the end of the year. You think so? Remember, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. And I'm talking about the car shortage. I don't know about the housing shortage. That's, a, that's not my field of expertise. But I know how it works in the automobile industry. And the manufacturers uh, will overcorrect. And by the end of the year, there will be a surplus. And uh, it'll be a high inventory, a higher supply and, and lower demand than we have now by far. And you'll be able to get a bargain. Uh, the blog I wrote about how to buy a car during the microchip shortage, the number one recommendation is don't buy a car. You know, the Absolute. old joke, and when I go to the doctor, I says, it hurts when I raise my arm like that. <laughs> he says, don't do that. And uh, so you, uh, it hurts when you buy a car today, don't buy a car. Uh, you get a bargain if you wait a few months. If you have to have a car, go buy a car. If you have an extra car lying around, this is definitely the time to sell it. Oh, for sure. man, talk about that. Yeah, if you have a car lying around somewhere, uh, now is the time to cash out and you can you can make uh, uh, fifty percent more on that car than you would have if you'd have sold it a year ago that's um, crazy amazing times that we're in mm -hmm. back to Josh all right here's a fun one just out of curiosity what's the favorite car you all have ever owned uh, gosh yeah, that's such an emotional thing yeah. I, I have to digress uh, to my uh, teenage years and uh, 1957 and it was a 1957 Pontiac Bonneville. It was the very first fuel-injected vehicle <laughs> made, and this one was a convertible, um, and it, it was white and blue, and had a leather interior, 
and it had positive traction. That's uh, you know the limited slip differential, and it was a powerful car. It was no carburetors. It was unheard of a car without carburetors. 1957, and all the girls. I uh, love me because I had that car. I was going to ask that question. Yes. All the girls still love you. I was 17 years old. Which takes me when to... When I was 17. Uh, oh, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking it about... It was a very good year. I'm talking about all the women that are chasing you now when you're 80. Hey, uh, this brings... They can catch like, me easily now. <laughs> Unless I, I they're 82. That's a fair fight. Uh, would you like to hear about my car? Please. No, tell, Absolutely. Yeah, the Barracuda. Tell us about the Barracuda. Please, please. I'm messing with you. Inside joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To all the, the listeners of the show, the... She, she, her, it was her first car. You know, when you had your first car, it's something you never forget. It's like your first girlfriend or boyfriend yeah. or whatever it might be. Yeah. I was an ugly duckling, so my car is very important. Oh. Anyway, guess what? We have a female caller. Good morning, and welcome to... Earl on cars. Lou, are Hello, you there? Good morning. You won, your, you won yourself $50. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're well, thank you. Great. So, I have a dilemma, a question. I just, my car was just totaled. I own my car straight out. Insurance company gave me $8,000 for my car. I'm having a tough time going to a reputable place where I can get a car that I know I'm not going to come back in three months for $8,000. I'm looking to you guys for suggestions. Where do you, where do you live? Are you, are you in the Palm Beach County area? I'm in Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah, Palm Beach Gardens. You know, um, uh, you say your car was totaled? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, um, the... You can argue with the insurance company, and sometimes it's good to argue with a, an attorney. And uh, uh, we've had, uh, we've referred customers to Donner, and it's called uh, Donner and Associates. And uh, it used to be Gordon and Donner, now it's Donner. Uh, or is it Gordon and Associates? It used to be Donner. I think it's Donner. Gordon and Associates. Donner, yeah, yeah. Donner. And uh, they're, they're, they're pretty good. And they, you, you, what you need to do is, is to be sure you're getting a fair... Uh, fair value uh, for your car, and uh, uh, it, 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 it can be or it might not be, and it's uh, something that you need to. Yeah, sometimes you can negotiate with the insurance company on that. If maybe you have well, some documentation. Honest, I feel I'm getting more than what my car is worth. Oh. Hmm. Um, don't tell them I, that. I Lucky you. <laughs> no, I know that, and I don't think that that's the issue. I think the issue is me, like, guide me. Do I, I need something Immediately, do I go to a dealer? I don't want to make payments. Do I go to a car dealer? Do I go to like one of these buy here, pay here, you know, and buy a car outright? Like, where would you go to buy a reputable car? Hmm. You know, it's the main thing you, you need to focus on is reliability and safety. And uh, when you're spending a smaller amount for a car, uh, you have to give up on the aesthetics, and you know you might get a color you don't like. You might get a car that's got a scratch. Uh, I mean, you have to the cosmetically, you have to be very, very flexible. But you want to be sure it's safe, and you want to be sure that it's reliable. It's a very difficult thing. Uh, you know, we're still in the business, and uh, we try not to talk too much about our dealership because this is not an infomercial. This is a, a, a consumer advocate show. So uh, we want. Uh, 
we want to uh, tell you that when we trade in a car, we take it to the auction and wholesale it if we feel like it could be a safety uh, or a reliability issue. If the cost of fixing the car is prohibitive to what the selling price should be, then we take it to the auction. But someone buys that car at the auction and then they sell it. So you go to a buy here, pay here a lot, especially, and a lot of the other smaller used car dealers, they buy cars at auctions because they're cheap and they don't fix them. If you go to a car dealer and he's reputable, he's probably gonna be pretty leery of selling you a car that he knows is unsafe. That's what happens that you might be buying one of those cars. You know, you have to be aware of the bargain and uh, uh, take it out, have an independent mechanic, check whatever you buy. Forget about what it looks. You have to make that compromise. It might have a torn fabric interior. It might have stains. It might have a dent in the fender. All these things are, are okay when you have to have a car at a low price. But be sure an independent mechanic, pay him $100, $150, go with a car and have the, this is a safe car, and this car isn't gonna require $1,000 or $2,000 in repairs in the next few months. He wants to tell you that as it stands now, it's a pretty reliable car. Okay. And Lou, this is Nancy Stewart. Uh, let, let me uh, share this with you. Uh, you still have the control. You don't have to uh, have the uh, the car, the uh, dealer, whomever you go to, dictate to you. Uh, whether it be finance, uh, you sound like as if that, well, uh, for lack of another word, you're a little bit uh, desperate to get uh, something to drive. Uh, but you... I you can still get so much knowledge, and by looking into Consumer Report and so many other tools that we have out there, the Internet is so powerful today. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, going into the dealership or the buy here, pay here alone, I say find anyone to take with you but there's another situation that really aggravates me and that is if you have to finance your car you know uh the most powerful thing for a woman to do is to walk into a dealership uh with a a, a file filled with information under her arm and her own finance company and all the other information that comes with it Okay. Well, Nancy, when are you available? <laughs> uh, I do have to pat my back, pat myself on the back. I'm a real negotiator. Thanks for the compliment, Lou. Your $50 Thank will you. be in the mail. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. And to you, too. 877-960-9960, or you can text us. That's 772-497-6530. Don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to Josh. All right. Here's another one that um, you kind of touched on earlier. Mr. Stewart, as a Toyota dealer, do you agree with Toyota's strategy of sticking with a variety of alternative fuel options like hydrogen fuel cell and hybrids instead of going all in on electric? I think, uh, I think they are... Uh, the most advanced when it comes to electric. The media have you believe otherwise. Uh, you got to remember that a hybrid car is an electric car. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, they, they had the, when they came out with the Prius back in the early 70s, 
uh, no, the early, early late, 80s. Late 90s. Late 90s, I'm sorry. Um, and when they came out with the Prius, it was a joke. And General Motors made fun of them. Uh, everybody made fun of them. And, uh, and they, uh, they went and built that car. And they spent more money to build the car than they sold it for. They, 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 yeah, they were losing money for yeah. everyone they sold. When they sold the car to a dealer, uh, they lost money. And they, they, they saw what was happening. And electric cars were impossible. And all electric car was impossible. So they had the electric, you know, the, the Prius was powered by an electric motor. Uh, the Tesla is powered by an electric motor. They're both electric cars. And so what happened, I mean, Elon Musk wasn't even born back then. I'm only kidding. But he was, he was in short pants. And, uh, he still and, 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 and Toyota saw what was coming. So they diverged. They went into hydrogen. And, and they, and so, but, but they, have the, they have the worldwide experience in electric vehicles. And eventually they will have the all-electric vehicles. So, no, I don't. They're, they're saying they're behind. But when the smoke clears, there'll be maybe a half a dozen, if we're lucky, maybe only three or four manufacturers in the world. One of them will be Tesla, and one of them will be Toyota, and I don't know who the other ones would be, but uh, uh, you question Ford, and you question, will Ford be around? Mm -hmm. Is that possible? Ford can't, might not be around uh, 20 years from now, and General Motors might not be around 20 months. We don't know, but Toyota will be here, and so will Tesla. Hmm. Can you imagine? <clears throat> All right, this one's for Rick. Rick, do you agree with only changing synthetic oil every 10,000 miles? Isn't more often better? I go with what the manufacturer recommends. I say you can't go wrong with following what Toyota, Ford, Chevy, whatever they say is right for that engine. They're the guys that designed it. They, the engineers told them, this is what I designed this engine and to don't be capable it's of It's one doing. year or 10,000 miles. Right, yes. You know, that owner's manual is worth its weight in gold. If you only put 1,000 miles on it in a year, you still change the oil. Yep. So time and mileage are important. Now, bear in mind that some cars have different requirement levels. Yes. Uh, some yes. say every 7,500. Yeah. Some say every 12,000. But it go with what your manufacturer recommends for your model of car. Can't go wrong. Great information. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's free, free, right here at Earl on Cars, 877-960-9960. Not the oil. <laughs> Just the advice. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to interrupt Josh sure. because we have another caller, and that's Kyle is calling. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Very good. Good, thank you. Thank you. Good, good, good. I, I had a question about um, a lease. Um, you almost answered it a couple weeks ago, but it was a question about the tax uh, on the lease. Um, I know when I – it has a residual of 22. I have a Highlander, and I know if I were to buy that at the end of the lease, I have to pay sales tax on that. Um, and when I look up my payoff currently on Southeast Toyota Finance, that number that they give me includes the sales tax also. Um, but what if I were to sell the car to a dealer early because the values are up right now? Do I have to pay sales tax before, like on the full amount, before they buy the car from me? I can handle that. The, uh, the dealer won't have to pay sales tax. So if you're selling it directly to a dealer, um, they'll buy it from the bank at, you know, without sales tax. If you're going to buy your lease out through the dealer, 
um, you will pay sales tax on the pre-sales tax amount, so it'll match what you're seeing when you look up the payoff. Okay, so the, the payoff right now, if it says 29000 but that number that Southeast Toyota gives me includes sales tax. If then I took it to a dealer right now, it's not actually twenty nine. It should be, you know, that less the six percent sales tax. So, mm-hmm. you know, twenty six and change, and then it should come out to around twenty eight once you add the sales tax. Okay, and then like also at the end of my lease, when I have the option to purchase it at twenty two thousand, um, if I were to not buy it and not return it, but instead sell it to that same dealer, I wouldn't have to pay that sales tax then either. Is that correct? That's correct. If, if it's worth more than that residual buyout, then you, you should put that money in your pocket. Say it's worth 25000 okay. at the end of the lease, the dealer will buy it and cut you a check for the $3,000. And something you should definitely look at today because mm-hmm. there's a good chance, more, a better chance than ever, that that car is worth more than the residual value. It might be right now. For all, it might be worth more than your payoff now, which is uh, yeah, historically usually never the case you know, midway through a lease, but nowadays it might be. And you don't have to wait till the end of the lease. You can exercise that residual earlier. Yeah, you can. You could use that buy, uh, payout anytime. So basically, it's a rolling payoff. It's the residual value plus the the amount of your remaining payments is a rough way to calculate it. Oh, okay, great. All right. All right. Thanks for your help, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. No problem. Give us a call again. Kyle was a first-time caller, and uh, we have so many callers that tune in for the first time and continue to become callers, well, for life. Anyway, uh, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I'm going to reach out to Donovan from last week, and uh, Rick took his uh, YouTube Uh, and the knowledge that he shared with us about Tesla. I really appreciate you bringing that new technology to my attention. Rick? As a matter of fact, Donovan just came up with a comment here that says, Earl, Ford is really in on EVs, electric vehicles, and is far ahead of most companies. The Mach-E Mustang is really good. They also have partnered with a really good battery company, SK, to build several battery factories in the U.S. So Ford may actually uh, have their toes in the in the dirt too to to dig in and hold on. The thing to remember about electric vehicles is it's only half of the word. The word is electric and autonomous. Yes. The the I said earlier that there'll only be this number of uh, manufacturers survive. It isn't going to be so much before who hits the best electric car first. It's going to be who hits the combination of the best electric and autonomous. And the autonomous is a mouthful because it's not a car, it's, a, it's software. And uh, Port is not a software company. Uh, Tesla is a software company. Uh, all the manufacturers are having to uh, partner with software companies to survive. Software is the 21st century, and it's, it's what's going to determine the survivors and the people that aren't going to make it. And I don't think Ford has that ability, they're going to have to find a company that does have that ability and merge. And you're going to see a lot of mergers before this whole thing you know, pans out. Yeah, I find that fascinating. Like a Tesla, 
the, the price of a Tesla can vary tens of thousands of dollars just depending on the software that they download into your well, vehicle. Well, the car I ordered, yeah. I ordered the, uh, the software option, autonomous, cost an extra 10000 Yeah, and they didn't put any hardware or any physical no. material into the vehicle. All they have to do is plug it in mm -hmm. and download for $10,000. You know, uh, I give them $10,000, they go, and they say. And they flip a switch. Okay. <laughs> so you can see how much research and, and investment mm -hmm. that they have had to put in over the years. And remember uh, when Tesla was losing money hand over fist? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what someone has to be prepared to do. They have to go out there and spend the money. They're not going to get back for years and years and years, billions and billions of dollars, and maybe get it back. So there's going to be very few that are going to be standing when this is all over. Mm -hmm. And coming again from Donovan here, uh, Earl, funny on the software because Ford also partnered with Google for the software side. Mm -hmm. But you are right on the software, and none of the traditional car makers are software companies. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, Waymo, I think, was uh, the name that uh, Google put on their software company. And and uh, uh, I used to know the uh, president of that company. He was president of TrueCar, ah. and then mm -hmm. uh, he uh, quit well. and went to work for Google. I don't blame him. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, thank you, Donovan. I like. I just love it that you join us every Saturday. I hope you heard me tell you that I was thankful for your information. Okay, we're going to John. Uh, before we get back to Josh, and John too is a first-time caller. Isn't this great? Our reach is amazing with this show, and uh, the response that we get from our listeners. John, thank you for calling. Good morning. I have two questions for you. Thank you. First question, does your dealership have a, uh, a body shop or do you use a vendor? We have a body shop. We're a dying breed. Most dealerships don't have body shops anymore. And uh, partly because of insurance companies that keep their thumb on the purse strings and uh, don't pay a very good uh, uh, price to the uh, collision repair centers or body shops fixed cars so most dealers have dropped their body shops because they can't make money well that's why i asked i was involved in hit and run and uh damage isn't bad to my vehicle but i want a reputable dealer to take care of it mm -hmm. uh, second question um i was interested many years ago in the fj and then i saw that you got your toyota had a fj out at some of the car shows but i was really disappointed in what they had presented. Do you know anything about them bringing out another FJ? Josh can probably answer that. It's, uh, I've heard rumors about it. Um, nothing's concrete right now, unfortunately, but we'll see. It was a hugely popular vehicle, and I think they stopped it in 2014. But Yeah, Toyota has a way of uh, dropping their very popular vehicles. Uh, uh, that was one of our hottest cars. The other one was the Super Convert. I mean, the Super, the, yeah, the Solera. The, the Solera Convertible. Mm -hmm. They dropped that. Uh, the good news is if you bought a Solera convertible, you mm -hmm. bought an FJ, it's worth a lot of money today because everybody wanted one, and mm -hmm. Toyota says, well, we're just not going to build anymore. Yep. I want my Celica That's back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real shame because it was a nice vehicle. If I had uh, had an, uh, the opportunity to buy the FJ before I bought my Highlander, I definitely would have. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for taking my call. Have a great day, folks. You too, John. Thank You're you, welcome. John. We'll All right. I have Josh. a text if you'd like. Here's one in Rick's wheelhouse. Um, what do oil changes do for your car, and how do you know when you should replace your tires? Uh, my car is at 31,000 miles with the original set of tires, and during a recent alignment at a tire store, 
they recommended replacing them. Okay, we'll go with the tires first because it's very easy. Mm -hmm. If you look on the, the across the tread of the tire, about every six inches around the tire, there's a little raised section in between the treads that's called the tread wear indicator. And when the tread wears down to below two thirty seconds of an inch, that'll actually form a solid bar all the way across the tread that you can see, and that means it's time for new tires now. Let me jump in there. Uh, that 230 seconds is the NHTSA National Highway Traffic Safety Association recommendation. And let me tell you, when you hit 230 seconds, those tires are looking mighty, yep. mighty dangerous. And this is one of the biggest problems that car dealers have that we have um, because we care about the safety of our customers. Um, replacing tires on tread, uh, there's a lot of other factors involved besides the technicality. Uh, I would say you definitely should replace your tires before 230 seconds and uh, before it goes below that wear bar. Uh, uh, we recommend below 330 seconds. And to some people, that's got to get too close. Remember, uh, when you buy a, a new tire, a new set of tires you put on your car, it has 830 seconds. How much is that? It varies, I guess, depending on the tire. 10, actually, 10. in okay. most cases. Okay, so uh, you buy a new set of tires. It's got 1030 seconds. Now, when you drive it around the block, that car is not as safe as it was when you bought it because it has a little bit less. And then a year later, it's a little bit less safe. And when it's raining, a light, misty rain, or you're in ice, or your conditions, remember, where you drive, how you drive, the tread is a function of what you feel comfortable with. Do you have children in the car? Do you have people that you care about, your family? Uh, uh, so we get in a lot of discussions with our customers, and they say, I want a new set of tires because... Um, they don't look safe to me. And we measure the tires, and it'll have 430 seconds. NHTSA says you've got twice as much tread as you need. The person says they don't look safe, and I don't feel safe. So you see what I'm saying? It's subjective. Yeah. Uh, I guess you have to go with what you believe and what you feel. And uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, 230 seconds is too, is too slick, and you don't want to be... And I don't, I think, we. Uh, it looks too slick to me. Mm -hmm. I can live with 330 seconds, but I can't live with 230 seconds. Now, when, when it, well, we actually say when it gets below, yeah. just a hair, below that 330 seconds. Yeah. And actually at that point, you'll be able to see that treadwear line showing yeah. up. Yeah. The other shade tree trick is if you take a brand new penny and you put it to where Abe is upside down in the tread. What's a penny? <laughs> That's that little cut. Oh, okay. You don't carry coins. No, no, I've never. I don't think anybody's seen a penny in a long time. Yeah, they they are getting rare. Can yeah. you use Apple uh, Pay to do this? Hey, that would be a trick. But it's it's the old trick. You turn Abe upside down, and if you can see almost all of his head, it's time to replace those tires. They're down to about three thirty seconds. Hasn't Abe been through enough? Already? I haven't. I haven't seen a quarter or a dime or a nickel in a long time. All you got to do is look in the cubby hole of my truck. I got a bunch of coins in there. <laughs> Me too. Hey, we're getting into the weeds. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, maintenance on tires is just underrated. Do you know it? I think the, there was the, another part to that question. The, uh, yeah, on the oil. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the quick answer on that is oil helps to keep the dirt and all the contaminants out of the engine and keep the moving parts moving smoothly. And its number one job is to remove heat from the engine. 
Dirty oil does not flow as easily and cannot remove the heat as effectively, so clean oil is hugely important. That's why you replace the oil as the manufacturer recommends. Absolutely. Mandatory. Right. Uh, what I was getting ready to say was uh, whenever you... A lot of people don't really think about their tires and how important the maintenance is on them and how they drive, uh, tire pressure, uh, the whole gambit of things. And it's extremely important to your safety. So maintaining your tires, think about it, how far it will take you, how much gas you'll save. Mm -hmm. That's where the rubber meets the road. There you go. (laughs) This is from Michael in Kentucky. Earl, um, I finally bought the Nissan Pathfinder, and thanks to you all, I think I got a good deal. I used the tactics from the book, and I feel good about the deal. See you on the next car I purchase. Hmm. So you, he used my book against us, huh? Oh, no, no, he's in Kentucky. Oh, in Kentucky, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he can uh, send you a bottle of bourbon as a thank oh, you. Oh, boy. And just remember, you all, you contributed to Big Dog Ranch Rescue, <laughs> and you found a home for a doggy, and thank you very much for buying the book. All proceeds go to Big Dog Ranch Rescue. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bourbon has become very popular. It's the, uh, the in liquor nowadays. Is that it? <laughs> uh, we're watching a series, and that's all they drink is bourbon. In the morning for breakfast, lunchtime, and dinner time. I digress. We are going to go back to the telephones and telephones. Hmm. We're going to go to John, who's calling us from West Palm Beach. He's a regular caller. Hey, John. Good morning, John. Hello. How you doing? Good. Uh, Good. Good. I'm doing great. I I teach high school, and we, you know, no longer in school. Uh, But you guys are driving me crazy with this 230 seconds. Mm -hmm. How come it's not 116th or 464th? You must be a math teacher. 230 seconds does not... 230 seconds does... It doesn't sit right with... uh, I, I think because Wait, it gives you. <laughs> What's the lowest common denominator? It's been a while since I had to work that out. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah. So seriously, do you teach math? <laughs> no, I teach science. Oh, science. No, okay, it, okay, yeah. It's, it's ratio yeah. and proportion. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the 230 seconds is, you know, 116th, and the, but the same number is 464. So I guess if you wanted to play with numbers, Tom A., you started with 464. Now you got two thirty seconds. You say, "Oh my gosh, I lost that much," and it's well, the same thing. Well, it's, it's probably it's probably less confusing. You know, Rick says it starts out with ten thirty seconds. Yep. So yeah. if you say you got ten thirty seconds, you go ten nine eight seven six, and if you alternated with sixteenths or eighths, it would confuse the issue. I think my eyes just crossed. <laughs> and, and I love Donovan's comment. How about we just do it in millimeters like the rest of the world? I hate these imperial fractions. I hate Uh, millimeters. I hate millimeters. Oh, love Donovan. Thank you, Donovan. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, John was our last caller. We have to shut our lines down, and we're going to go to Josh. He's going to be taking care of all the text, and Rick will be doing the YouTubes, and then, of course, we will be getting to our famous Agent Lightning. All right. Yeah, I have a few more uh, feedbacks to read. Uh, this one is for Rick again. Uh, it's a couple parts here. Rick, does oil really degrade that fast after the 5,000 miles or six months? That would be, I guess, for regular oil. They said uh, there's a couple of YouTubers out there, I guess your competition. Uh, specifically, Scotty Kilmer recommends changing the oil 3,000 miles or three months. The Ford boss says 3,000 miles or three months. The car care nut 
he's a uh, he's a T, uh, TMD like you. He's at five thousand miles or every six months. So, what do the what do those guys know that you don't? <laughs> I know one thing. They're not the engineers that designed those engines. That's for sure. And I will go with what the engineer that designed that engine says for his engine. If he says, do it this often, that's what I'm going to follow. Because then if something happens to that engine, I can come back to him and say, hey, you guys need to warranty this engine because I followed what you said. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's yeah, but, my but answer. See, but these are black and white issues. and we, It's like the tires. I mean... Uh, what makes you feel comfortable? I know guys like you, Rick, and you technicians that are nutty about taking care of your cars. Yeah. And over the years, I had technicians that were changing their oil every 20 minutes. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. I know people that brush your teeth five times a day, <laughs> uh, three times a day, or once a day. Some people, I hope I don't know them, they don't brush your teeth at all. But, I mean, people vary and as to how, what they feel comfortable with. And... You guys, and you admit—you have to admit it—that mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe you matured. But uh, I can remember you telling me how often you change the oil in your truck, and I'd say, well, "That's a, isn't that kind of excessive?" And you say, "Well, you know how many miles I got on the truck? Here, come look at my truck. I'm going to show you the engine. <laughs> look at my truck." So, if you feel good about changing your oil every three thousand miles, go ahead and do it. If you can afford it, do it. But like Rick says, you don't have to. No, I haven't matured. And probably, <laughs> and probably uh, because you don't keep your vehicles as long as Rick. Rick, yeah, Rick, you know, uh, if everybody kept their vehicles as long as Rick, I'd be broke as a car dealer. Yeah. He never buys a car. All he does is fix it and repair it and maintain it. And, and the car, his, his trucks last forever. Mm -hmm. So if you want a truck that'll last forever, I guess you could change your oil every 3,000 miles. But on, on the other hand, when you go looking for a used vehicle, if I happen to be looking to you'll get more sell money, one of mine. You'll get more money hey. money, yeah. yeah that's your baby you, but, but when i when i get ready to let one go whoever comes to get it after me they've got a hell of a vehicle to they drive do. i mean you they know and you uh, might take it back if they're not taking care of it they could be yeah, yeah. do you yeah. have a separation <laughs> issue yes do you i, I get anxiety you know, it, yeah it's amazing how many people out there have a separation issue when they get rid of a car that they've had for so long you, especially women you know one time we uh <laughs> We traded in a vehicle, and the the person was so attached to their car, she true, made a deal with true us. True story. True story. She wanted visitation rights to visit her vehicle at the next owner's house yeah. just she, a couple of times a year. And, and she it, named the vehicle. Of course, yeah. 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 And guess what? Women move into their vehicle. Mm -hmm. They move in. I mean, it's their baby. It's their life. And whenever they have to get rid of it. Separation your, issues. Your home away from home. <laughs> Rick, we never heard what your favorite car was. I, I, want, oh. I was curious about that. You mean uh, if, if I could go no, get a car? All, all the cars you've owned in your life, your favorite? Uh, actually, right now, it's the my Tacoma that I'm driving right now because I just love the, the way it rides, the go. technology I've got in it. It's a great vehicle, and I love it. But if I could actually pick a car that I could just – make it my own and, and and have it as just a toy driver i'd probably go with about a 95 celica <laughs> with the four-cylinder convertible there you go a very simple car to work on but a fun little convertible to drive oh my yeah. memories my and heart they had, great, they had a great design that nice curved body style oh, great little cars my heart be still mm -hmm. uh, can i talk about my barracuda no <laughs> <laughs> 
We're gonna well, one one week. We'll don't devote the entire show to your barracuda, but it won't be real soon. I have one last feedback, and then I guess we could go on to the yeah. shopping report if that works. Yeah, no, we got time. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is kind of funny. Back in the back to the '50s car show is happening in St. Paul, Minnesota. Twelve thousand cars expected. No problem here with uh, with a shortage of chips because I guess they're 1964 cars and older. So things were simpler back then. And they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, car shows. It. You know, the, the, how many car shows do we have today? I mean, it used to be mm-hmm. car shows used to be a whole lot more popular, and today uh, they're virtual, right? I mean, I, I think they'll stay virtual. I I can't see the old car show ever coming back. Yeah, a lot of things will change. Mm. The 50s. I think I'm going to cry. Oh. <laughs> uh, one last one just popped in here. Uh, this is for Rick, too. He kind of touched on this. Uh, will you void your warranty by over-servicing your car? No. All right. Simple answer. But uh, it's, a good, it's a good point, and I, you're not going to void your warranty. Uh, the one thing you will do is you will void your pocketbook <laughs> by over-servicing your car. And when you go into a car dealership today, they're going to ask you to over-service your car. They're going to tell you this is their recommended maintenance. Now, the operating word there is there, not manufacturers. All car dealers have the manufacturers recommending maintenance in the bottom drawer, and the top drawer is their recommended maintenance. So the person in the service drive that comes out with you to write up your repair order is going to say, now, this is your recommended maintenance. And that's his recommended maintenance because he's paid on commission. And he will recommend that you have a lot of things done to your car that you don't need. Uh, One of the reasons, and it's always been the case, by the way, but the reason it's more acute today is because the cars are so good and they don't have much maintenance. In fact, the manufacturers are providing free maintenance in many cases for years, two years, three years. Uh, The maintenance is minimal, so they can afford to give you free maintenance. That way you come back to the dealership and maybe you buy another car. So if you're in it up, if if you've got a two-year-old car and you go in there and you get a, a, a maintenance bill for four or $500, you were hosed. You were taken advantage of, and you didn't need to do that. Beware of flushes, uh, radio flushes, transmission flushes. Uh, beware of all sorts of flushes. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, back in my younger days, uh, if I had to have a repair done on my car, that part was gonna, that they were going to replace that went into my trunk. I wanted to see the part that they repaired and the part that I had to pay for. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to remind you, you can pick yourself up the June edition of Consumer Report where you can find car repairs. It is certainly informative and enlightening. And uh, if you want to take it a step further, pick up the July edition because there you're going to find dangerous Pickup trucks, a great read. Now back to Josh. Um, I believe we are out of anonymous feedback, so okay. without further ado. Mystery Shop of Mullinex Ford. Excuse me. Um, uh, Agent Lightning, from now on, I'm going to take a moment for her because she has done a phenomenal job, and without her, we couldn't expose the number of dealers that we have, but also... We are really getting some great mystery shopping reports. Mm-hmm. And that mystery shopping report you can vote on. 
just by texting Josh and let him know how you feel about Mullinex Ford. We spent a lot of time investigating the car dealers we've come to know as the bad boys. Ed Nableton, numero uno, <laughs> the Greco brothers, also known as the Greco brothers. The father liked Greco. Greco. The boys don't like Greco. They like Greco. Huh. Where did I get that backwards? Anyway. Not sure. Uh, Billy Fucillo. Billy Fucillo. Over the years, the most informative and entertaining mystery shopping reports came from these three rough and tumble dealer groups. Sadly, and truly sadly, we learned yesterday that the biggest bad boy of them all, Billy, Billy Fucillo, passed away. While we called out his dealerships for, uh, for a time uh, for aggressive and misleading sales tactics, we've also recognized his marketing genius and his huger. <laughs> You'll get this in a minute if you haven't heard of Billy. Uh, than life, per, huger than life. Per, and that's not a grammatical error. I did that on purpose. He came from an era when car dealers commonly starred in their old TV ads. Uh, they're trying to out each other with absurd and energetic performances. Uh, some of you out there remember Cal Worthington from California. I mean, he was famous. I mean, really hysterical. And there was a guy in Las Vegas, Fletcher Jones. Uh, mm. he, uh, Fletcher Jones was really, he was in our, I have a group of dealers we used to get together with, 20 group we called them. And we had, uh, Fletcher Jones was a member of that group. And, uh, Fletcher used to, uh, he used to sponsor dogs from the pound. And like, we're doing Big Dog Ranch, mm -hmm. uh, but he, he, he did a dog all the time. And it, it was a character, and it was entertaining. So if you're going to do a, a crazy, deceptive car commercial, make it entertaining. Because <laughs> Billy Fuchillo did a crazy, deceptive uh, car advertising, as did Cal Worthington, as did Fletcher Jones. But it was it was very entertaining. Mm. Uh, Prime Motors. Mm. Uh, nine ninety nine. Nine. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Josh does it a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're gonna do, if you car dealers are gonna do it, do it and make us laugh, and we'll listen to you, which is genius, because Pachillo sold a lot of cars. In honor, in honor of the late great Billy Pachillo. We're going to, and remember, he'll be remembered 20, 30, 40 years from now, just like Cal Worthington and Fletcher Jones. We're going to run our favorite Fuchillo Hyundai commercial. Q. Oh, my Lord. I never thought there were so many Hyundais here in heaven. <laughs> They're building new roads to accommodate all these new Hyundais that get over 30 miles a gallon, that have 10 year warranties. It's very similar to Ridge Road in Greece. They're enlarging that road to accommodate all the Hyundais that are going to be sold because you know they get over 30 miles a gallon. It's the best buy in the market. It's huge, Rochester. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, play it again, Sam. Can you play it again? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I never thought there were so many Hyundais here in heaven. They're building new roads to accommodate all these new Hyundais that get over 30 miles a gallon, that have 10-year warranties. It's very similar to Ridge Road in Greece. They're enlarging that road to accommodate all the Hyundais that are going to be sold because you know they get over 30 miles a gallon. It's the best buy in the market. It's huge, Rochester. Huge. 
Billy, rest uh, in peace. Uh, uh, you're you're, you're going to be missed, and uh, you're going down in auto history. So One of a kind. One of a kind. Anyway, this week we're going to switch directions and take a look at a car dealer who we've always considered to be among the most ethical, Mullinex Ford in Lake Park. Now, nobody knows where Lake Park is. Uh, it's right on the borderline of North Palm Beach. Now you know where it is. It's in northern Palm Beach County. Mullinex Ford has had mixed but mostly good results from about a half dozen mystery shops. Mullinex Ford was the first. And remember, I wasn't the first. I'm in my car dealership does this. Uh, for, uh, the only car dealer to pass it, well, I'm sorry, they passed the Cathala test. Uh, but they were also one price, and they invented the lowest price. Uh, they invented the lowest price before we went to our one lowest price. Mm -hmm. So again, they're pioneers. And it was a dealership in, uh, their first dealership, I believe, was in Fort Lauderdale, or Miami area, uh, Monix Ford. And they really, uh, the, the, the guy that started this, Ed Mullinex, the guy that started it, uh, he was a pioneer, uh, like Billy Fagillo, but a different type mm -hmm. of pioneer. And so uh, they, they really had a lot of respect and still have a lot of respect in the auto community. Now there are uh, dozens of dealers uh, uh, that are part of I mean, Mullinex name, uh, they sold out. They have sons in the dealerships, and, uh, and, and they have partners and so on and so forth. Uh, so anyway, that we, we placed them on our recommended dealer list uh, uh, for their no-haggle approach, and uh, they do stick to that. And uh, there are no dealer fee policy, but um, unfortunately, the last two times we shopped them, we were disappointed to find out they were in fact charging uh, dealer fees. Even more disappointing was the fact that then and now they advertised no dealer fees. That was uh, that was very disappointing and. Uh, I actually called one of the sons about our last shop and said that you're advertising no dealer fees. He said, well, we don't charge a dealer fee there. We're charging an electronic filing fee. I said, well, electronic filing fee is the same thing. And so this is where we get into semantics. Mm -hmm. Dealer fee is a, a, a generic term. Back in the day, uh, they used to call it a dealer fee. And then they got smart and said, everybody knows that a dealer fee is a hidden fee and it's, it's dishonest and we're being taken. They don't call it dealer fee. We'll, we'll change the name. So they changed the name and they changed the name and they changed the name. And now there's dozens, literally, of names. Electronic filing fee, dealer prep fee, doc fee, administrative fee, you name it. Let your mind wander. Come up with anything. And they call it that, and, and they slide it in when you go to sign in in the uh, F&I office. And they increase the price in South Florida by over $1,000. So we got uh, Mullinex to talk to the person that managed the store in Lake Park. That's North Palm Beach, really. And uh, they didn't change because we shopped them again. So now we're going back, and we're going to shop them again and see what happens. Uh, here are two bullet points from the Mullinex website that the shopper looked at. We offer upfront pricing that lets you buy with confidence and puts your mind at ease when you come to our dealership. Our prices are non-negotiable and you never have to haggle. That's refreshing. We don't spring dealer fees on you at the last moment. The price you see is the price you get. Now, if that's true, that's great. Let's see if there's an electronic filing fee. They did that last time we shopped. We sent an agent lightning 
who you know how much we revere. She's a, an amazing shopper. Uh, to see how they're behaving themselves and a year and a half of pandemics and inventory shortage, what do they do now? See if they really live up to their promises on their website. Okay, here's the report. Prior to driving over to Mullinex Ford, speaking in the first person as I were Agent Lightning, I found a new 2021 Ford Bronco Sport listed on Mullinex website. The MSRP was $28,315 and Mullinex was advertising a $500 discount and a selling price of $27,815. You know, a year ago or two years ago, $500 discount. <laughs> what a joke. See what I'm saying, folks? They're not even trying to hide it now. Low supply, high demand, prices are obscene. Two-thirds of the cars sold in May. Two-thirds in the whole United States were over sticker. Two-thirds. So, $500 over sticker, that's a bargain. And that was the advertisement. Uh, the MSRP was $28,315, and Maldex was advertising a $5 discount, making it $27,815. Right below the price, the ad said, no dealer fees. You know, Molnix, if you're listening, change that to no hidden fees because dealer fees is too innocuous. It's too generic. It's too meaningless anymore. Hidden fee is the, is the key word. Hidden fees. You want to know all the fees that are in the price that you pay. You don't care what they call them. All you want, all, you want the bottom line. You want to be able to write a check at that number Give it to the salesperson, get in the car, and take it home. That's an out-the-door price. That's what you want. Okay. Interestingly, Molinex's website showed that it had 391 new vehicles in stock. Ain't gonna happen.com, folks. Ain't gonna happen. However, after a little exploration, I discovered that these cars were shared across Molinex's seven locations. So, in seven locations of dealerships all over, they got 391 cars, maybe. Mm -hmm. The Lake Park, North Palm Beach location showed only 70 new vehicles in stock. Okay. I arrived, Mr. Sharper, Agent Lightning, at 10.57 a.m. She's very objective and specific. Very specific. Very specific. Mm -hmm. And was quickly greeted by a salesman who introduced himself as Raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we have a salesman named Magic Mike. And when I first saw that, I said, why, why does he call himself Magic Mike? That's embarrassing. You'll never forget that name. You'll never forget the name. Now Now we got a raspberry. You'll never forget yeah, that one either. This could be, hey, you salesmen out there listen, we're going to start a whole new trend now. And, you know, you'll have ping pong. And, Bananas. How and, do you do? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, think, think of a silly name. Call yourself that name. And you're a car salesman. <laughs> Uh, okay, Raspberry, uh, where are we? Uh, I forgot, I lost my place. Uh, I he really did what, lose my place. Yes, what, oh, what brought me in. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> what brought me in. I showed him the ad on the Bronco on the phone. That was on, couldn't show him on the phone, but. Raspberry asked me to follow him. We found a desk, sat down. Raspberry logged into his computer and said he was searching the inventory for the Bronco from the ad. Now, I'm just thinking to myself, if you just tuned in, and I'm saying Raspberry found the phone. <laughs> See, that's one of the problems when you call yourself Raspberry. You gotta laugh. You go to the bank and say, uh, I wanna know the balance of my checking account, and they say, what's your name? You say, Raspberry. You get know, out you, of here. You get out, you get a problem there. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> 
As he searched, he told me they had a very limited inventory that was shared by seven stores across Florida. He admitted that, okay. Transparency, at last. He said, not in the ad transparency, but by Raspberry. Raspberry is transparent. He said inventory had never been so tight. Another fact. If asked when, uh, why they were short on vehicles, uh, Raspberry explained, oh, I asked. Yeah. I asked, a typo. I uh, explained that there was a microchip shortage that was affecting new vehicle production. He said uh, they had a four-story parking garage that is normally full of Fords. Then he pointed out the, uh, the window to a smattering of cars parked outside and said, that's it. So surely he didn't have that very many cars. He was telling the truth. We walked out to find the Bronco. Raspberry was getting. The lot was practically empty. We found the Bronco in the ad. MSRP matched. You always got to do that. Always look at the sticker, folks. Uh, there was no dealer addendum. That's refreshing. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen that twice in a row uh, last week. Dealer addendums are almost... 100%. Well, they don't need them now because they're just up front charging Good through point. the nose. <laughs> Good point. Hey, Good you know, point. Yeah, the addendum is the microchip shortage. Raspberry took a picture of the window sticker, then led me back inside, offered me a... Well, isn't that refreshing? Mm -hmm. Raspberry took a picture of the window sticker. Normally, yeah. Agent Lightning takes a picture. He left to go speak with management, SOP. He returned a few minutes to tell me that Bronco was uh, the Bronco was sold and we'd have to find something else, dumb, to dumb, dumb. This is when you start to worry. <laughs> I suggest that instead of walking back outside to find another one, he should check to see what was available for sale first. He agreed, went back to the manager. Raspberry returned quickly, said he had a gray one with the same MSRP. Okay, now. Dodged a bullet. Yeah, dodged a bullet. He asked for my driver's license so he could make a copy, get a license plate, and then left to get the key. After several minutes, Raspberry came back and said he was having difficulty finding the keys. This is standard with car dealers, by the way, mm -hmm. including us sometimes. Uh, and then he walked off to continue the search. Occasionally, I'd see him walking through the showroom on the phone, muttering. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Raspberry was stressed. What's a stressed Raspberry look like? You don't want to buy a stressed Raspberry. I'm, I'm getting silly. I waited for another time. <laughs> Dehydrated. I hope the show's <laughs> over soon. I'm really scared. He looks like a raisin. <laughs> oh, that's one better. It was raining. Raspberry offered to get the car for me. I waited by the door. He pulled the car up. I climbed in. He drove us off the lot. The gauge indicated we only had 14 miles. That's also standard in car dealerships. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah. The fuel tank was empty. I pointed this out to Raspberry. He grimaced. I got another joke. I can't. This is getting silly. He said we should be okay, take a short drive on I-95. <laughs> Just don't get me on the turnpike, all right? But I said I didn't want to risk running out of gas. This has happened to Agent Lightning on several occasions. Uh, he agreed we took a short drive around the neighborhood, Lake Park, which is really North Palm Beach. Back at the dealership, I told Raspberry I wanted to see him. I wanted to see some numbers. He got more information about me and entered it into his computer. Then he returned to the manager's desk. He was gone for 17 minutes, not 18, not 16. Very specific. 17 minutes. Mm -hmm. Raspberry returned with a worksheet. The selling price was MSRP, but there was no discount. Uh-huh. Here we go. But then there was no dealer fee either. Okay. Not even a tag agency fee. Even better. A dealer 
uh, fee by any other name is still a dealer fee, right? So here we go. The only thing added was sales tax and sort of biggish, made me a little nervous, mm -hmm. a registration fee of 511. Could be okay, could be an estimate, maybe not. Could be a tag agency fee. We don't know because we didn't get in to the F&I office, a.k.a. the box. I protested, said, that wasn't clear at all. The $500 was labeled, you save, and this implied a discount. Raspberry pointed to the fine print. Okay? Now, here we are. Fine print, folks, was invented by lawyers. Well, just real quick, they, yeah. the $500, they said, was a trade assistance. Trade assistance. Yes. Okay, so that's right. So without a trade, no discount. That's right. Now, it's... Um, you could say it was planned this way because they want trades, because used cars are worth a lot of money. But the, the big offense is it was in the fine print, mm -hmm. and it wasn't transparent. And any kind of a discount that you have to find in the fine print is deception. And it's also legally deception uh, by the Federal Trade Commission. Okay, So it's a violation of federal regulations. I protested and blah, blah, and said it shouldn't be in the fine print. Here's what the fine print said. And I'm reading it, but it's not fine print, or I couldn't read it. The upfront price includes small neck discounts, factory rebates, Ford credit financing rebates. The price may also include trade assist. What does that mean? Business owner rebate. What does that mean? Or owner loyalty rebate when available. For more information, speak directly with a salesperson. And this is all in fine print. In addition, you may be eligible for other rebates, college, military, private offers, not including the upfront price. So the sin is the fine print, and it's deception, okay? But everybody does it, folks. Everybody does it. I explained this was misleading since the discount wasn't offered to, to everyone. I said I felt foolish because I'd fallen for it. He apologized and asked, if we could still put something together, I said, I was still interested, but would like to speak with my husband first. Raspberry said I could leave my $500 deposit to hold it. He said he couldn't hold it otherwise, and probably true because mm -hmm. the car won't be there in a week. Cars are selling fast today, folks. Given the inventory problem, I declined and said I would risk it. He asked if I would meet his manager, standard procedure. I reluctantly agreed, and he walked me over to the area where all the managers were. It was uncomfortable. I met his manager, who also implored me to leave a deposit, declined again, and I left. And so there we are. Uh, what do you think? Let's have the votes. What do you think? Any votes come in yet? Uh, I have one here. Uh, let's see. I believe uh, Mark gives it a B plus. B plus, yeah. yeah. It's not a really a bad report. Rick, you got anything? Uh, so far, we've got Wayne with a C minus, Ernesto with a B minus, and Brian with a B. Mm -hmm. And let's see, we have Mark with a B and Andrew with a C plus. Bob gives him a D. Tom with a B, Mark Ryan with a C plus. Mm -hmm. So they're all coming in pretty much Jonathan, right in the middle. Uh, Nate with a C minus. Jonathan Wellington says a solid B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to agree with a B. I don't really care much for that little bit with the $500. But other than that, the no dealer fee and full yeah. transparency looked pretty good to me. This uh, Boris with a C plus. I'd, I'd be a B myself. The Bronco's a brand new model. It just came out. The fact yeah. that they're not going a couple grand over stickers. Refreshing. Good point. 
Good point. Bronco, amazing. Mm-hmm. Brings back a lot of memories. I give it a B. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking that thing. I was talking to Kirk, I'm in the dealer uh, to the uh, show, and uh, I said a C plus. I'm going to change that to a to a B. All Thank right. you. And um, uh, recommended list, folks. Okay. Buy your next Ford from All Next Ford in Lake Park, which is really in North Palm Beach. And Negan and Guy, both with B+. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time, and I want to thank everyone. Michael uh, and Jonathan, that's behind the scenes, they do a fabulous job. And thank you for being part of Earl Stewart on Cars. We'll see you right back here next week, 8 a.m. Happy Father's Day to all the daddies out there. Thank you.